This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Well, Paul Trotman's been working on a very important film. It's called Behind the Mask, the COVID story by those who were there. And by those who were there, we mean the frontline health workers. Uh, this film is uh, drawing uh, to a close in terms of uh, its production. Still a bit of work to do. We're going to find out more about that now with Paul and uh, Clive Copeman, who joins us also. Marina, uh, thanks both of you for joining us this morning. Thanks for coming in. Uh, no problem. Um, Paul, I think when we first uh, caught up about this project, uh, you it was around about lockdown time, I think, we had a conversation. You'd started the work then. Um, so obviously in terms of um, this pandemic, your radar was out quite early as to the significance of the impact on the health sector. Yeah, um, I work in the healthcare sector and so does my partner and we realised quite early on that this had the potential to be really big and to cause major disruptions. Um, Once we locked down here in New Zealand, I was stuck at home because I'm immune compromised and was looking for something to do. So thought, well, uh, uh, another friend said, well, why don't you do something like what you normally do? And I started interviewing healthcare workers around the world about their experiences. And of course, you were doing that, I suppose, in the same way as most of us were communicating and doing, having our meetings at those time using Zoom and so forth. Yes, it was all done via Zoom, and I just anybody who talked to me, I spent an hour chatting to them via Zoom and recording it. This is not just uh, a story of Aotearoa New Zealand, is it? It's a story of the impact on healthcare workers around the world. Yeah, uh, we got off lightly here. Um, a lot of others didn't. And so we spent time talking to people in New York and London, um, Spain, Italy. Yeah. Clive, what's your role? So I've been shooting all of the local footage for the film. Paul and I have a a very long uh, cooperation in in filmmaking, don't we? Yeah, Clive got me my first job (laughs) 20 odd years ago. Yeah, and so in that regard, you have been able to get some face-to-face interviews, especially more recently. Yeah, not so much uh, the ones that we're going to be using in the film. Uh, We we did a lot of interviews here with scientists in the early days um, because, uh, you know, we weren't really locked off in the story. So we're considering a science pathway or the medicine pathway. Yeah, I think there's another film in that somewhere. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. but yeah, just getting a lot of the B-roll, which is kind of, if you like, the wallpaper that goes over uh, and, you know, glues some of the film together. Mm. So, you know, doing a lot of filming in ICU, um, the local morgue, just to get some interesting pictures to help tell the story. We, had, we were really lucky. We had massive cooperation from Dunedin Hospital. Um, we went in three times for several days each uh, and got a lot of footage. What about cooperation from health authorities elsewhere? We didn't really need it because we just interviewed people. Yeah. It was just Zoom interviews with people and um, giving us their individual stories and opinions. We don't even mention what hospitals they were working at in the film. We just use the cities. There's so many potential stories here, and you've, we've already discussed you might have uh, tangents going off in all directions. I mean, in the essence, what is the story you wanted to tell? We wanted to tell basically the story of the coronavirus from from start to vaccination um, through the eyes of the healthcare workers and get their takes on um, 
what it was like being in the middle of of absolute hell, um, how their thoughts on the vaccination and how it's going to change the world. Some of what we've seen reported on news bulletins and so forth has been quite distressing. Um, Health workers at the very edge, health workers failing, health workers getting sick. Uh, Was that your experience? Did you speak to people in situations like that? Very much so. It's a three-hanky film. Yeah. And how did that leave you feeling about the way health care workers were being um, respected or otherwise by the institutions for which they work? I think people haven't yet processed that. Um, I think there are people who've been let down by the public. I think there are people who've been let down by the places they worked. Um, and we reflect that in the film. You mentioned that here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, we feel we're very, we've been very lucky. Here we are getting on with our daily lives in a, in a very real kind of way. But, of course, still this uh, pandemic raging in other parts of the world. Uh, is the story... So, so the story's not over in that regard in terms of... So where is the, the end point in terms of this film? Yeah, you could keep going on this for as long as you want, really. Um, and we had to choose an end point. Um, there's something, an old saying in filmmaking, that there, there's no such thing as a finished film, just projects that are abandoned early. Hmm. You know, at some stage for any film, you have to pick the day when you stop making it. The story may go on. Hmm. How will this film look? Is it just a series of interviews? Um, yes, tell us about what we'll see on screen. We were lucky in that we contacted filmmaking friends around the world who shot bits of footage for us. So we have stuff from New York, we have stuff from London, um, so that we can tell, uh, particularly through them, the public story, but also get inside some of those hospitals. So it means that we do have footage that's been shot on cell phones, we do have footage that's been shot on amateur cameras um, and then we shot a lot of recreation stuff here um, of things like CPR and intubating patients uh, and patients being taken to the morgue the stuff that you couldn't film in reality in the middle of a pandemic not without a lot of risk yeah no and the, the one of the interesting things is when we first started doing this when was we started filming last march march yeah um you know we didn't really know what the situation was going to unfold like here in new zealand so here at dunedin public hospital we were in near lockdown conditions um and it was quite scary going into the hospital at that stage covid was still out in the community so you know for a while it felt like we were doing something quite intrepid um but then as Paul said, we got so lucky, you know, and dodged that bullet here in New Zealand. Um, so it's been a, a reasonably easy and pleasant experience to film this, but filmmakers in other parts of the world have not had the luxury of that. And you've had to do this project, I imagine, uh, without necessarily knowing how and where the resources are going to come from to to get it in front of people. Uh, have you started from the perspective of let's just get what we can and solve those problems later? Yes, um, certainly. But when I started the interviews, we had no money at all. By the time I think we started filming in the hospital, which was in April, um, we had 
a few thousand dollars. So we haven't been paid for a year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> We've been doing this because we think it's an important project to do. And so who should see it and why should they see it? Everybody should see it. Uh, and the reason everybody should see it is that they should see what the healthcare system did for them, mm. what it saved them from. And the, I think the uh, sacrifices and the efforts that healthcare workers, not necessarily in, well, around the world put in, were absolutely extreme. This was people, as you said, working at the edge of their coping mechanism. And for those, those for those people, um, assuming that they get past those particular crisis points, um, I imagine there'll be a lot of healthcare workers reflecting on whether this is something that they can sustain. You know, whether they can keep working after this. Yeah. I imagine there'll be few of them who felt. It, themselves capable of abandoning their work in the middle of it all but this would be a traumatizing effect have a traumatizing effect on many i imagine yeah i had people tell me that they were on holiday or on leave this week and they didn't want to go back i had people tell me that they wanted to stop doing the job uh, I, I think just in the way that soldiers get battle fatigue and ptsd we're going to see a generation of healthcare workers with the same kind of effects from this it's been well over a year now, uh, overseas particularly, where people have been working under this kind of stress. And seriously, it's, it's comparable to going into the front line of battle. You're facing death every day. You're facing um, <clears throat> horrible consequences. You're seeing people around you die. And facing the prospect of that for yourself being in the middle of something you really wouldn't want to stay away from. <laughs> Absolutely. And yet these people pull on a white coat and a mask and their PPE every day and show up for work. Just like frontline cops who face, you know, um, violent offenders or indeed soldiers who go into battle to keep us safe. How broadly were you able to reach out across the world and what countries have you spoken to workers? Um... A lot of the world. Um, actually, no, we, we, I, I tried to talk to people in the Middle East and failed. I tried to talk to people in Russia and failed. I tried to talk to people in South America and failed. I got quite a few people in America, uh, several people in Spain, Italy, the UK, um, Canada, Australia, uh, Japan. Um, not everybody features in the film. Uh, I ended up doing about 110 interviews and we've used about 30 of them. Um, basically making a film like this is like taking a, a jigsaw set where all the pieces fit together in any combination, but only some of those combinations make a picture. Mm. Um, and it's been sorting through the interviews and finding which ones fit together, because there's no narrator to tell you what to, what to think and what to do and where the story's going. So it's simply the interviews with the, the, the healthcare workers and fitting them together to tell a, a coherent story. And you know, we've spoken to ambulance officers on the front line in New York who literally took an entire family one after the other uh, and they all died. Mm. Um, healthcare workers who were having, their first patient survived, but then their second died, their third died, their fourth died, their fifth died, the next 10 patients died. Um, they're clearly traumatised. Where are we at now with the production of the film? 
we have just filled the last black hole in the film, which is one of those tiles which says, pick up. <laughs> um, on Saturday, we shot the footage to go in the last of those holes and a couple of things last week. And on Sunday, we put them in. Um, next weekend, the editor has a technical pass and goes through fixing all those little things that annoy him. Um, and then I have a last look through. Um, and then we... Uh, are officially finished as Clive said um, you have to stop sometime uh, and so you have to set a time when your story stops um, which means that we can only briefly mention things like the India case um, you know the, the India uh, surge but we have managed to cover the the second waves and we have managed to cover vaccination and we have managed to look at the sort of impact of this on how we deal with the world. Well, we definitely want to see it, but uh, it's one thing to want to see it and for us to be able to see it. There's still some hurdles to go. What do you need to get this film out and screened? We need to find a distributor next. Um, so we once this... Uh, technical pass is done we will be talking to colleagues in the industry and getting recommendations for distributors we'll be talking to the film commission um, and we'll be looking at festivals mm. I know that the process is not complete yet but let's imagine that it is for a second um, or at least take stock of where both of you are at right now what impact has making this film had on you Clive? Um, <laughs> mostly a positive one after having worked in broadcast television for a while, um, <clears throat> I got out because I was over making films that other people uh, wanted to make. And this has been... It's been really good to make a film that I was genuinely engaged with the subject matter in. Um, you know, I, I come from a science background, so I'm really interested in the science of the pandemic. Um and and Paul and I, you know, as I said before, we've worked together for a long time. We like the same kind of things. It's good to be working with people who are all on board with a project, and it's not just uh, it's not just a job. This has been quite a passion project for us both. Mm. Paul, I've learned a lot about um, how my colleagues work and and how they react, and it's it's been very rewarding that so many people after I've interviewed them have said thank you that was really cathartic and really helpful and I hope that the film um, helps my colleagues who are still struggling um, and helps the public understand what my colleagues did where can we go to find out more about Behind the Mask uh, we're on Facebook um, and the best place is probably is to go to prnfilms.co.nz that's prnfilms.co.nz um, and that has a, a feed from the Facebook page but uh, Facebook slash prnfilms or Facebook slash Paul Trotman Alright, Paul Trotman and Clive Copeman thanks for joining us, albeit briefly on the awesome morning show to talk about this amazing project um, all the very best, we can't wait to see it, let's hope that you can get over those remaining hurdles soon Thank you so much. Thanks, Jeff. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.